and welcome to Cast the Pod to your Witcher. I'm your co-host Dov. I'm your co-host Aaron. I'm your co-host Meg. And today we are discussing the first chapter of uh, Times of Contempt, the, the uh, fourth Witcher book and second Witcher novel. Um, yes. I'm very excited to get into this one, guys. Um, it's I think it's it's probably my favorite one of the Witcher books. Um, like like it's kind of hard to pick a favorite because it is a little bit like picking a favorite child. But like, <laughs> but yeah, I, but every parent does. So. <laughs> yeah, but every parent secretly does, and this is probably mine. <laughs> Yeah, this is um oh this is just such a fantastic chapter. It just does does everything it needs to do and you know, if the last chapter of Blood of Elves sort of like leaves us sort of teetering on the edge of 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 everything just starting to kind of cascade downhill this is this is this is that first sort of sense of that you know that butterflies in your stomach feeling as you fall just fall off the edge of something that's this chapter <laughs> yeah exactly it is, it's a perfect sort of pivot point between the serenity of the end of the last one and this one's kind of like nothing catastrophic happens but you're kind of like oh no <laughs> like you know at the end of it it's like oh oh no there is there yeah. is a fe- there is a there is a there is a feeling of rising tension in the world. Yes. Yes. And they also they, um, they also uh, say the thing. They also say that it's times and contempt, which is quite funny. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, they say the line. <laughs> they get it right out of the way. It's okay. Early doors. <laughs> like it's 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 uh, really good. Like 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 you know like I I just this this chapter is a really good kind of setup for the mood of this entire book um which like you know it's it, we will get into in a second but like what i also love before we get into it like what i really love about this chapter is that it's kind of like everything that's good about sapkowski in miniature because it simultaneously has this wee side story about you know uh App got the the uh king's like uh, messenger um, like yeah, um, and and how he encounters um, on his on his journey back and forth across the country, um, Siri and Yennefer and Geralt and the and the Skoyatel. um and um, it's it's such a fantastic you know like it's a f- such a fantastic way to also touch on the politics that's going about by giving it uh, giving it to us through the eyes of like this quite ordinary person but like you know like also like one who is who is in by by sort the sheer accident accident of his job surprisingly in the know about a lot of these things <laughs> yeah it's like he sort of mentions that he think he's realizing there's something going on politically because you know a lot of the messages could be sent through magicians in like half an hour so there wouldn't really be need of him to be cutting around giving all these messages but more and more royal messengers are cutting around so clearly he's sort of implying well something's going on here they don't trust each other they don't trust the magicians so politically something important's happening mm-hmm um, shall we just dive into it then? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, as as per usual, it starts with um, a sort of little interstitial between chapters um, world building bit. So we should probably talk about that a little bit before we dive into the sort of narrative flow of the chapter. Um, and um, this time it is a passage about witchers from a what, like a Nilfgaardian encyclopedia, um, which I think is... Um, 
actually just fascinating because it's like sort of an outsider's view of of what witchers are which is um i guess you know not really thought about that before that that's only something that exists in in the north um i quite liked that they call them a mysterious elite uh cast of warrior priests probably an offshoot of druids warrior Uh, priests (laughs) (laughs) they kind of have their own code their own moral system their own rituals yeah they're 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 also they're also like very 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 like like you know disdainful of even the concept of religious belief that's true well carol is anyway um i love this according to folk beliefs they possessed magic powers and superhuman abilities um but the you know the, the nilf guardian encyclopedia thinks that they're just uh masters of swordsmanship um and that they were used by northern chieftains in tribal battles um it kind of described them as like a kind of berserker almost. Um, and uh, they, they seem to think that uh, the mutations and genetic engineering is, is all just a, a folktale and it's not real. So I think that's just really interesting. Um, the thing with these little interstitial bits that you kind of notice is that they also don't really tell you when something was written. Sometimes you'll get um, a bit, you know, in one of the later, some of the later books, you'll get things that were written like a hundred years in the future. Um, So we also have no idea if this is something that's written contemporaneously with the story or is written in like a hundred years when there's no more witchers or (laughs) yeah, which I just think is quite cool. I just love the way Sapphic does his world building because it's in these like little snippets that are like in world bits of like books from places we don't really get to see much about or he does it in dialogue i just think that's fantastic mm-hmm. i love it yep i mean we, yeah. we get a lot of really nice background to Afogat, you know about his his wife and his family and why he works the way he does and... this is this is what i love the most about this whole thing like this whole chapter like right like it's just it like the framing device is the story of this like completely ordinary guy who just has a wife and a family mm. three daughters one of whom married like a loser who can't do business yeah you know, like it's <laughs> it's wonderful like and like you know it's 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 so you know interesting like because like you can see sapic doing economist brain because like he he like he he you know in the passages where he talks about how um until very recently it was thought that this this profession would go extinct because of magical messaging systems you know basically um but then it turns out that like uh, the kings eventually decided that, like, the wizards cannot be trusted, and Applegat's profession came back into vogue. It's, it's, it's good. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we get sort of the, the background on Applegat and, and his, um, his profession and his, um, his family. And um, he, he talks about how, uh, you know, the two things a messenger needs are a head of gold and an ass of iron. <laughs> and by head of gold, he means that the most important messages are never written down. He has to just remember them. Theoretically, he's supposed to forget them as soon as he passes them on. But he never does. And he's sort of developing a sense that something is wrong. Something <laughs> is that, developing uh, in the north. Yeah. Yes. And, he, you know, because he's riding around everywhere and he has all of these messages in his head, he's able to put two and two together and he sees that the roads are full of soldiers and that um, there's there seems to be sort of a, a proliferation of, of new new horses and all sorts of things. He's like, ah, you know, war is brewing, basically. Um, 
and yeah, so in his journeys, he um, he has also encountered the the fact that there's um, increased not just increased sort of armies and inter sort of kingdom strife, but also that um, there is now um, considerable racial strife between humans and non-humans, specifically elves. Um, so he says, you know, that he's reflecting on how there's campaigns against the human killing elves in Temeria. Uh, that now this there's squirrel commandos everywhere um so on the whole not just war but also um conflict between humans and elves is uh becoming a a real problem (sighs) but uh yes so in his um journeys he uh stops at um an inn um to rest and um encounters a dark-haired woman and a sort of uh mosey-haired teenager and that is Yennefer and Siri, though they are not. Well, they are named actually. Um, so it's Yennefer and Siri. Um, just happens to cross paths with them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, he's tidying up his horses, and they're having a, a discussion. Um, yeah. <laughs> Here's you know mention of um, you know danger and feathers and warm sand and all these sorts of things. And there's, there's yeah, a lot Siri. Of... Um, she goes into one of her trances yeah. when she sees him. It's a. Uh... And yeah, there's a bit of, there's continued sort of, uh, he keeps scratching an itch on his back that's there, that's irritating him. Uh, this is... Yeah, so what happened, what happens is Siri is half asleep when he, so basically he's in, he's in the, he's in the, in the early in the morning after he's, he's stayed in the inn, he, he gets, he goes to go tidy up his horses and, and Jennifer and Siri are there, um, dressed in men's clothes and, and, and planning to, to leave first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And Siri's half asleep, and as we know, when Siri is half asleep, she often goes into trances. So he, you know, greets her and wishes her a safe journey, and she kind of goes into one of her trances and says, says to him, um, "Danger! The danger is quiet. You won't hear it getting closer on its gray feathers. I had a dream. The sand was warm from the sun." And um, after this mention of danger on gray feathers, he starts yeah developing this itch between his shoulder blades. Sap. <laughs> Sapek. Such a sap thing. Uh, it becomes obvious. obvious. Obviously, we won't jump ahead too far, but it becomes obvious that this is, yeah. Um, yes. This is foreshadowing. And so he's been in Maribor yes. and, you know, he keeps traveling on and he's sort of remembering, you know, some of the orders and, you know, he's full, the messages, you know, full test to event and uh, all this kind of stuff. He just riding on, all, carrying all this with his golden head. You know, he's been told, you know, you should forget these messages, but of course, he's got a golden head, putting two and two mm-hmm. together all the time and sort of interpreting the world um, until he's stopped by, um, told to stop because there's a monster on the road and and it's mm-hmm. like just spooking people and barking like you know threatening people who come near it so they've they've had to stop and it transpires to try and get a witcher in yeah um we should probably talk a little bit about what those messages are because they have sort of um quite a lot of relevance later in the chapter mm. so two two of the messages he, he remembers are um Demavan sending a message to full test saying all is ready in dull angra the masqueraders are waiting for orders planned time of action second night of november after the new moon boats, mu- boats must land on the other side of the river two days later and then um a return message from full test to Demavend. postpone the action smart asses are preparing a-, a convent in thaned this convent might change a lot second the search for the lion cub can be called off it's confirmed the cub is dead mm. so someone is spreading rumors that siri is dead and also um you know after that little um conclave of of the kings in the last book um clearly they are planning uh to provoke an attack that was their plan right to try to like draw nilfgaard into yeah, draw them into an aggressor. attack so that they had a cast yeah. belly um yes basically to try and reclaim it 
Yes. So, and this is Applegat sort of rushing around with all of these messages because the other thing that we learned in Blood of Elves is that the mages, at least some of them, cannot be trusted. Yeah, and also they're still trying to, well, they settled oh, what to do with Siri, which was they wanted her dead. So obviously the fact they're sort of in semi-disguise and he's sort of heard, well, he doesn't know, I don't think, who the lion cub is, does he? He won't know it's Cirilla, he just sort of knows the cub. Um, so, mm-hmm. so when he sees, you know, this person called Yennefer and this person called Siri, it doesn't really tick to him. Yeah, that this is a thing that you need to be yeah. thinking about. To be fair, yeah. like, like you know, the Cirilla must be a fairly genetic name. Like, yeah, <laughs> there must be like, loads of people named there, Cirilla. There, like, it literally means swallow. There must be like, like, like you know, a thousand half elven girls all over the continent <laughs> named Siri. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like a, a Sam Smith sort of name. Yeah. Yeah, and I would also think it happens, you know, when like there's a royal child, everyone starts naming their babies after them, right? Yeah, exactly. There must be a bunch of girls around her age from Sindra named Siri. Yeah. But then, but then, yeah, so we kind of, like, what we're getting in this framing device of Applegat's story is just sort of a lot of, like, little skips to, like, things that are happening as he's, like, rushing around, delivering all of the king's various messages. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, so it kind of skips from, like, him leaving the inn to him being sort of stuck on the road um, because the road has been closed because a, a monster has appeared and they've had to get, uh, yeah, a witcher to come and sort it out. Um, so it's a manticore, I think? Yes, it's a manticore. Um, yeah. And basically... He, they ask a child to sort of tell him and because children are children he sort of mentions you know he goes oh he had the horse and uh, i think it was a witcher <laughs> or something and it was a mandy gore and you know yes <laughs> kids are kids and there's a sort of long yes. winding story and but at the end of it you didn't even see you know <laughs> sort of, oh, i saw him kill the happened. monster like so did you see him <laughs> fight it's like, no there was adults in the way <laughs> <laughs> I love this bit because it's like there's like a kid telling it and it's telling it like in that sort of unreliable kind of like way of getting like all the details wrong. The witcher he saw is named like Gurnant. Yeah, Gurnant. Gurnant. And um, but somehow, even though it's still like this, this kid sort of semi unreliably telling the story, we still get the pure sapphic economist like details of Geralt like haggling, <laughs> negotiating an agreement. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and we you find know, out why. S- Sapic knows what's important, which is to say, <laughs> like, like, like the 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 economics of witchering. Yeah, indeed, and I mean, I, we find out later in the chapter why it's like particularly important that we know that Geralt's been trying to acquire a specific amount of money. But like, it's just it's just very funny to me that this is one of the things kid remembers is like. Like all of the like negotiating. Um, there's something I've noticed about like the I think the translator changed between Blood of Elves and Time of Contempt. Yes, it did. Because um, it must. This have. is such a better. This is such a better translation. But it is also trying to like. Um, it's also trying to like um, like localize things a lot more. Mm-hmm. So like the translation of Blood of Elves was very um, very like literal and direct and like in the sense that it didn't seem like felt like it was didn't feel like I was trying to use like English language idioms to replace other ones but like the like language in this one when the like the merchants are like trying to like put together like the money to pay him because the guard won't they're like oh we'll organize a whip round and it's like okay I don't know why that jumped out at me because that's just such a British thing to say like I've never heard anyone in Canada ever say that yeah I was just, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you're right point. yeah 
<laughs> yeah, it is. A, it is a very British thing to say. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> the, I I also really? noticed because they spelt dandelion correctly in this book. Um, yes. So that was a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> there is also um, another bit later where um, someone uses um, like rhyming slang. So like the, the the translation is just like clearly like playing a little bit more with the language and like trying to convey a bit more of like mood than the sort of uh previous one which i think is very interesting and kind of nice because sometimes the translation can be painful um yeah so um sorry yeah like 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 um i obviously read like the books in lithuanian but um i like i have read a bit of the last wishes translation which used the old translator and it's not great (laughs) no it isn't (laughs) So, oh god, it's just a relief, yeah, to have dandelion spelt properly, <laughs> and um, them kind of playing with idioms and and accents and 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 slang and things. It's it's so much nicer. Oh my god. Yeah, and like it's it's important, like you know, like it's it's very good they're they are they are playing with idioms and accents here because like the the thing about the about the original, which I'm fairly confident in saying because I've read you know both Lithuanian and Russian translations and they both kind of try to do this. Um, Sapkowski likes to put text he likes to put like dialogue text um, in into like you know like more slangy and archaic forms sometimes mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like like so so like you know like it's 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 good that that is actually being like represented in this English translation as well because yeah, the yeah. last wish and blood of all translations, from what I understand, basically didn't. Um, but like, it's it's for instance very obvious in the Lithuanian translation because constantly like they're like especially especially peasant characters will speak like a very kind of like mm-hmm. um, it's translated into a very like dialectal Lithuanian basically. Mm. <laughs> like it, it's a hard line yeah. to toe because sometimes it can feel forced when a writer you know uses slang and stuff like that, and it can be a bit obnoxious but other times you know it's kind of essential to the storytelling um yeah i think th- they kind of get a good balance here i feel so far mm-hmm. yeah i think so too um so um so yeah so Geralt, of course uh per the child story uh rapidly dispatches the manticore um and uh takes off at pace uh towards dorian um and then um we get a little skip and we are from Geralt's perspective after that yeah um so we've left applegat behind and we are finding out what Geralt's been up to he's um, having nightmares so he, <laughs> really about siri being yeah danger. about siri being taken by the way by the black knight yeah yeah i thought it's interesting that it starts with like the witcher rarely dreamed of anything and even those infrequent dreams are quickly forgotten so just like it is unusual for him to have dreams what he's having dreams about is does yeah, that Siri not, being taken does, like 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 um was was there was there not something like in a previous book where there was a line that like also that yeah Geralt didn't dream often and when he dreamt it was mostly nightmares I think so it does say that it does say here also that the infrequent dreams were mostly nightmares oh okay I'm just um, thinking of this then <laughs> yeah sorry yeah <laughs> I feel like there was something about dreams and like the whole like um child of surprise thing but obviously he's dreaming about Siri so that makes sense yeah um yeah um yeah also Geralt dreaming um, mostly nightmares just makes sense considering this this I mean <laughs> I mean our boy has PTSD to like you know Helen yeah. back like 
I'm assuming we're accepting Nightmare of the Wolf as canon. Um, yeah. So even on top of like everything. On top we of knew every other nightmare, he also has Nightmare of the Wolf nightmares. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ugh. So he's reflecting on uh, on how he's been like you know trying to to make some money. How he needs how he needs money. You know, he got 150 for the Manticore, 50 for uh, a Fogger, and then uh, 50 for a Werewolf. And oh my god, this description of the Werewolf is fucking yeah, that, horrifying. That upset me a little oh. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like okay, I'm just gonna read this out because I think the reader, like the listener, needs to know. Um, so the 50 for the werewolf. 50 for a werewolf. It was a lot for such an easy job. The werewolf didn't try to protect himself. Cornered inside a cave, he kneeled and waited for the blow. The witcher felt sorry for him, but he needed the money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck. So this comes I mean, up a lot in the games as well. It is, wor- it is worth remembering that, yeah, werewolves are in this universe actually They're cursed humanoids humans. that have been cursed. So Yeah. Uh, so witchers often yeah. have the choice of either trying to solve the curse or just kill them. Um, but I think what this suggests is also is that Geralt is in such a rush that he doesn't try. That he doesn't have time to try and cure him. He just needs the money. And also, which that... is a typical yeah. for Geralt when you think about it, because every time we see him in the books, he cures people rather than kills them if possible. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is just highlighting what a like desperate position he's in right now that he like didn't think twice it's anything he can do to protect siri doesn't matter what the other consequences for his morality are yeah because um, in, in all of the games there's basically always at least one or two quests where you have the choice you can go a long and winding you know way of trying to cure whatever werewolf or you can just fight them um yeah and half the time like one of them in which a three does he just sort of gives up and like, look just kill me i hate this i can't go on living like this um well then then the in the third one like that werewolf does actually threaten somebody else mm. yes of course because he finds out that he's wife. been tricked yeah. yes you're right like 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 so you have to choose whether to save yeah to save this evil woman or to sort of or yeah to, or to or to kill the werewolf yeah, yeah. god that's a good quest <laughs> it's it, it's it's a good quest yeah, there's, there's that lots one is of genuinely like one of The Witcher Three's like best side quests. It genuinely makes you think for a second. Yeah, uh, it's just the morality of it. There's no clear like you know, there's no good or bad really there. It's all bad. Uh, like you can, yeah. I yeah, he he's just like, look, this is justice. Like she's an evil person. Like I don't want to spoil too much, but if she's a bad person. It's like this is justice for her. She deserves this. She's done something unspeakably bad. Let me do this, and I'll let you kill me. Or he just go, no, I have to. You know, you're a monster. Blah blah blah. I have to kill you and stop you killing other things. It's I do I do always end up sparing the woman, but that's just on the basis because well the choice they you, you gave us is either the two people die or one person dies. Mm. So I'm you know, it's just on a utilitarian. sheer utilitarian <laughs> basis. <laughs> like like I just kinda have to go mm, maybe less death, please. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that's what I lean to often, unless I'm doing a wild card <laughs> run. Um, so yeah, we get we get this runover of all him desperately trying to get money, and in this sort of chapter, we find out why he's getting money because he goes to um, he goes to a lawyer, <laughs> Cod Codringer uh, yeah. and Codringer and Fen. Yeah, lawyer slash private investigator slash fixer. Yes, <laughs> yes. Kind of the Saul Goodman. Hey, he, of... he exactly likes to call yes. himself a lawyer. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think this we is... should res- I think we should respect uh, the, 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 the 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 sanctity of the legal profession here and call him literally anything other than that. Um, I'm just <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yes, Geralt has gone to Codringer and Fen, aka the Saul Goodman and Mike Aaron Trout, uh, or Mike Aaron Trout of uh, of the continent, um, and uh, he is looking to have serious problems sorted out. Mostly, he needs to know who Rience is, who's paying him, what he's up to, and uh, basically how to protect Siri. Um, for our listeners who might not remember, because it has been a while, because we did sort of a little break and did a couple of other things. Rience is the um, not quite a mage who has um, been trying to kill Geralt and been hiring assassins and is, is chasing down Ciri um, from Blood of Elves. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so yeah, it basically he's, it's just really cool this little bit with him and Codringer and Fenn where they essentially try and hash out like why they would be after going after the lion cub basically they watch the motive yes. why are they hunting her down and it's it's a it's an extremely sapex section where he has you know a few people with incomplete information having a discussion about some you know something they don't know trying to come towards the truth and it's just brilliant um, that's very good yes. it's honestly one of my favorite passages in the books like yeah it is go ahead <laughs> like it's 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 just nice it's it's them it's effectively them trying to resolve a case <laughs> like um yes. what it reminds me of and you know like deliberately so um is uh, like fucking detective novels where you know like a private investigator and his pal are like poring over the evidence trying to figure out what's going on here it's great no yeah because ultimately yes. half of Geralt's job is kind of being a, a, a pi yeah mm-hmm. yeah this is that part yeah. of action yeah um and so we what we what we learn um apart from the fact that all cats hate Geralt um because <laughs> of his eyes is <laughs> that <laughs> Um, that Rience, so we learned that Rience, um, studied at Bannard, which is the, the, the male school for wizardry as opposed to Artuza, which is the, the, the girls school. Um, but who was expelled after two years because of like petty criminality. Um, we learned, and there's so much world building in this too. Like we learned that, uh, Kaidwin intelligence recruits like all of these expelled mages. Yeah, they wait outside apparently. the front gate to recruit people. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so he became, uh, like an assassin for, for, for Cadewen, but then got kicked out of doing that. Um, had been imprisoned in Sintra also for just like petty criminality and unpaid debts and things. Um, but then someone bought him out of that, and he has been on somebody's payroll ever since. I'm um, extremely abused by the fact that it's debts, but like, <laughs> yeah, I think. But 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 this tracks for real. He's just problem. a fucking yeah. idiot. Yeah, and he's kind of useless. He kept. No, the thing is, and yeah. it's, they know he kept his name the same throughout his entire career yeah. being a spy yeah, sacked yes. from every different nation he just kept his name yes <laughs> he's actually that stupid is the thing like yeah like this is the thing and this is like not even inconsistent characterization he's dangerous because he's an idiot and he's reckless like and this is like consistent through the rest of the series that like, he's just kind of an idiot yeah which is amazing yeah like this is the thing i think we mentioned this before but like you don't see a lot of um antagonists who are just stupid in you know like like like, like in in fantasy anymore like his alignment is evil stupid yeah like and that's <laughs> wonderful thank you for giving us this sapic it's just such an incredible thing to have a villain who is a good interesting villain but they're also an incompetent dipshit and they're still menacing yeah. despite all of that 
it's a really hard line to yeah. toe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, 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 so, because this yeah. is the thing, right? Like, in a lot of fantasy fiction, um, the, uh, the villains are, do, do not slip up until the very end. They, uh-huh. uh, they consistently attack the protagonists. They, they pose a constant threat to their lives while, at the, and a part of how they do so is literally by being such a permanent threat. Mm-hmm. Like, by, by being so, like, totally competent that they remain a permanent threat no matter what you do until the hero is, like, strong enough to take them on. See Star Wars, right? Like, 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 you know, like, um, and right up until the climax of the story, Darth Vader is a massive threat to Luke and does not really make mistakes, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, but, you know, when you think about it, that isn't actually how reality works like everyone yeah. makes mistakes sometimes but it's just very difficult for writers to depict that in an antagonist while still keeping them menacing and yes. Sapik did actually manage to kind of pull this off yeah because Rians is malevolent he's an idiot but he's malevolent like I mean things we know know about him already is that he tortured Dandelion he sicked some pretty serious assassins on Geralt and now we find out that he's been killing the druids that had you know an Angren who had previously you know sheltered Siri when she was a war orphan and he's fucking killed the peasant family in Trans River. He killed Yurga and his family, yeah. Yeah, he killed the nice farm lady. Yeah. Like, yeah, and the kids. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Rience is malevolent and evil and is a real threat because he does these unnecessarily violent, stupid things that a, a spy should not do because he's so dumb, but he. He does them anyway because he's because an idiot. <laughs> he's an idiot and malevolent. As uh, Codringer refers to him, he's an arrogant thug who doesn't bother using an alias. Like, that. That's him. Yeah, that's that's basically it. Actually, no, that's Geralt's description actually of him. Yeah, and 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 they're trying to figure out who he works for. And and Codringer says it's a wizard. We've got a list, but we don't know who yet. Yeah, and and they assume that like Maybe. someone a wizard must know, but they're just obviously keeping their cards close to their chest because uh, they, they they can sort of rule out some some wizards, you know, who who are loud and brash enough to like question their kings and court and stuff like that. They they sort of say, well, it can't be it can't be any of these people. Mm-hmm. There's clearly someone we have not considered or whose motives we don't know or understand. And uh, obviously we've read the books, yeah. so we know. And it's like, it's so obvious. Yeah. But you, you... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so obvious when you think about it, especially because like kind of Blood of Elves gave us, gave us some of it. But uh, the thing is, I mean, well, there were strong hints. Yeah. Um, but well, um, like, it's not it's not exactly hidden, hidden. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes. Which, funnily enough, I just did not pick up the first time I read it, but now it seems so obvious. No, neither did I. <laughs> um, but that's just because Sapik like throws so many facts at you that like you just kind of yeah forget to pay attention a little bit. Basically, but um yeah, something else that we get told is that it has to be someone important because Philippa Eilhart knows who it is because and we know that because Philippa stopped uh, Geralt from finding out who it is in Blood of Elves. Um, and she's protecting them for some reason, so it must be someone very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, um, um, so Codringer has some ideas about what to do. He's like, you know, Rian seems to just work for money. Maybe we could, maybe we could turn him and use him against his master. Uh, just like coming up with some ideas about about what to do about it. Um, yeah, and um, 
And then, yeah, Codringer starts explaining that, like, you know, like, well, we know what we know what's happening, you know, not long ago. Um, I that said not long ago, I talked to some of Foltest's agents and that they were hunting for for the lion cub. Um, yeah. And, so. and he sort of suggest, tries to make some suggestions to Geralt, you know, well, they're after you as well as her. So why don't you just like go and run away for a while and then I can work out all of this stuff and you'll be safe and then you can come back and deal with it. He's like, no, that's obviously not going to work. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the Codringer does say that he, he's the one who spread these rumors that Cirilla is dead. He's, you know, tried his best to cover the tracks and, you know, had some coach some people in some very convincing performances, but uh, that, you know, this, this isn't going to, this isn't going to hold for very long. Yeah. Like eventually, you know, someone yeah. will figure it out. They'll see an ashen-haired, green-eyed uh, young woman somewhere, um, or they'll figure it out. Like, they're going to have to deal with it eventually. Yeah. Anything else is just delay. Yes. So, um, so basically, um, Codringer explains, you know, Geralt is confused as to why they're even looking for Ciri, because he's like, well, Nilfgaard rules Sintra, girls don't inherit in, in Sintran, you know, lines of succession. There's no reason for them to be looking for Ciri. And uh, Codringer explains that um oh uh, yeah they try know. yeah they try and spread rumor basically well she's not a threat to the crown so you don't need to worry about her yeah that's kind of what they settle yeah. on maybe trying to do yeah yeah but well well to, first to, they, to start they... with to start with like Geralt is confused as to why Cotringer to why like 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 is saying like her. people would be looking for city like to start with and then Cotringer goes look we're gonna try and answer your question he brings him into the back where mm-hmm. Geralt possibly for the first time of all of their clients like actually meets Fen um, mm-hmm. who is um uh it's a halfling with no legs. We'll, uh, he's he's. I I don't think I don't think he's actually meant to be a halfling. Oh, he's just like a dwarf in human, human sense of dwarf. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. If, yeah. yeah. Like like uh, he's 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 uh, he has no legs and is as a result uh, forced to use a wheelchair. Um, it probably th- rarely leaves the building. Um, the, despite the fact that like there are rumors in town that like um, many many people in town claim they've seen him about. Um, but mm-hmm. that seems unlikely as Geralt mentally remarks um, <laughs> yes. I think something also um, worth mentioning that we haven't pointed out is that you had a booby trap on the door because yeah. I think that's kind of foreshadowy <laughs> yes. as well um, uh, yes, yes he had a booby trap on the door actually, but yeah. he dismantled it because it had gone off unexpectedly so and now he like, does not have a booby merchant, trap on the door yeah. 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 so yeah. remember that because that's yes. actually somehow going to be important lads um, yes <laughs> Yes. But yeah, we, we, they sort of. This is kind of what this whole section is about: is like them trying to figure out what do we do about this. We're what are you going to do, Geralt? And he sort of says, you know, okay, I'm going to try and find. I remember right. I'm going to try and find out, you know, what's happening here. And he discusses right. Instead of a fee, give me ten percent of whatever your price is on this, or whatever you're getting paid for. Whatever, it. whatever your earnings are on this. Yeah. I yeah. guess, well, 10% of nothing being... is nothing. <laughs> I'm not doing this for money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aye, but, um, yeah. But, but, but actually, guys, we skipped over a bit. Like, we, we, we are, we are, we are, we are skipping over bits because, like, we're getting confused between all the various yeah. bits of politics. It's, like, it's, it's because I just view this whole section as, like, one discussion. Um, which yeah, is, yeah, uh, but, like, there's, there's actually several things going on. Yeah. Like, so, so when they, when they go in to see Fen, um, Fen basically greets Geralt. He's very lovely. He explains to him, um, like, that, um, um as Ciri is the last heir to the Sintran throne, um, like, you know, her like joining with some dynasty would actually give it a legitimation to Sintra. Like for instance the Love Guardian one, hence why many people might be looking for. Um uh, like 
like Geralt observes that that in Sintra the women do not typically inherit, and Fed is like that is correct. Um, like even Calanthe, although uh, despite her personality, like could not quite ignore this. Um, like and the only thing she managed to attain was that like um, the nobility allowed her to remain queen as long as she is married to someone who is nominally the king. The King Regnum. Yeah, um, there's a lot of like interesting sort of gender politics here about Calanthe's life, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. Like, and um, yes. but like the the really important plot based thing here, um, is um, so Geralt, you know, asks Kadringer and Fen. So you mentioned some sort of plan that you've got. What what are you gonna do? And you know, Kadringer and Fen basically explain their their plan is going to argue that Siri um is not a legitimate claimant to the Sintran throne, even if she is alive as um, her father was not of noble birth and uh, Geralt is confused about this because he's like well no you're wrong Duny was of noble birth he was a prince of Meert and uh, Kodringer goes well I didn't know that and he asks Fen to look look that up and they look they check um, like you know one of Fen's books which lists a number of the sons and daughters of the of the king of Meert at that time that Duny is not listed them. So what we learn here is that Siri's father was not who he said he was. Yes. And that is important. Yes. Yes. And yes, so there's a few things going on here. One, there is this, that we have learned that Siri's father was not who he said he was, so Duny is not the son of the king of Meact. Um, which is interesting he managed to perpetuate that lie for that long but again a lot of people don't have genealogy books um, two um, I, I think it I think it would have been a case of like nobody nobody wanted to look into it yes like two yeah nobody wanted to look too hard especially because as we learn two possibly maybe Actually, as much as Calanthe acted really angry through this whole thing, this was all kind of the plan. Yeah, <laughs> it's plausible deniability so what we, on her part. Can I just what say that, learned... like, can I just say that, that, like, if that is truly the case, if Kadringer's hypothesis is correct in that regard, Calanthe was a bit of a dick to her daughter for exactly no reason. <laughs> yeah, she had to look plausible deniability that she wanted this, though. She probably so traumatized Pavetta, like. Oh, I mean, yes. Look, I I am famously not a fan of mother squared dicks. But... I'm just saying, there's yeah. <laughs> there's some uh, dubious morality going on here. If if Kadringer is is right, a uh, problematic queen. I'm not I'm not actually sure that he is on that front though. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm not sure he's right on this front either because I think some things don't check out. Love Pavetta. Yeah. Though the things that I think that are interesting that we learn about Calanthe um, are that. That, um, so you know that little subplot that gets inserted about Yennefer and um, the 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 queen of um, Lyria and Rivia um, and her getting killed by her husband for having too many daughters in yes. the show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I mean that that is essentially feels like it's lifted from this. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, that's that's the point. We we learn that um, Calanthe 
um, you know, after she married Rogner, she had, you know, her ambition was she was going to have a son and she would rule as the, the queen regent for her son. And that would be, that was, that, that was the life plan. That's how she was going to manage to be queen, despite women not being able to inherit. But then she had Pavetta. She had a daughter and had two miscarriages and then never got pregnant again. And so Rogner, who is the legitimate reigning king, uh, apparently was trying to get rid of her. <laughs> so she got rid of him sooner. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. You know what? That tracks. I believe this. Because Th- this part I the only ever referred to, to Rogner yeah. Also, yeah. Rogner genuinely sounds like a cunt. So, like. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. He, he There's did... no love lost there. <laughs> like, like. It, it doesn't sound from any of the stories we know about him that he was a particularly good guy in any sort of word. Definition of yeah. word. Yeah. No. So, in theory, the plan was, according to Codringer, whether this, I think this part is true for sure, I think, that Calanthe poisoned Rogner uh, while the pox was spreading through Sintra and it would look natural. In, basically in defense of her own life, because he was going to kill her to replace her with someone more fertile. Um, and then with the ambition of Pavetta, uh, then bearing a son for her to be queen regent for um but also and this is the second part of 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 codringer's theory um that possibly doesn't check out because i do genuinely believe calanthe loved pavetta and wouldn't do the second part of this to her on purpose um so the 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 nobles wanted pavetta married off from like age of 10 as soon as they could so they could get rid of calanthe Mm -hmm. because then pavetta's husband would be the legitimate king and they were not going to allow calanthe to remarry um and according to Codringer, Calanthe intentionally undermined every marriage um, match for Pavetta, um, hoping that she would get old enough to sort of make a little mistake and get herself knocked up, which she did. <laughs> um, to put it politely. And well, yes, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think Codringer implies. I mean, give me a second to like check the book, but I don't think Codringer implies that the making a little mistake was part of Calanthe's plan. I think yeah. I think he was just trying to imply that she just no, kept he says, suitors away. This might be a translation issue, but he says Pavetta's fifteenth birthday was to be her last birthday as a maiden. Calanthe was forced to comply, but before that happened, she achieved what she hoped for. Pavetta stayed a virgin too long. She got so horny she oh, eventually yeah, no, got no, laid no, by th- a random th- th- stranger. Th- th- that's in the Lafayan translation as well, but I don't. But I, I I I don't think you're meant to read that as literally. I think mm, this is a- he kind of. I don't, I don't think this is a translation issue. I think this is an understanding how different languages work issue. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, um, it, like, um, the, basically the same text is in Lufanian, but to me that, re- mm-hmm. like, the, the, she, she achieved what she wanted doesn't read as a literal, this is what she was going for. It reads mm-hmm. as a, this was a positive upside. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because the later bit is he implied, well, he says that, like, um, that, you know, unaware he was, you know, she called in a witcher and unaware he, unaware he was being used, he removed the curse from the monstrous hedgehog, enabling him to marry Pavetta. By doing so, the witcher had given Calanthe easier access to the throne. Pavetta's relationship to the uncharmed monster was to the nobles such a huge shock that they accepted the sudden marriage of the lioness in East Tursak. So it sort of seemed like he's implying that what she wanted was Pavetta to marry, or, you know, kind of make a little mistake with someone who wasn't a suitable king, so uh, that she maybe. could, so that Calanthe could marry 
marry East and East could be the quote unquote king because he's a wife guy and she can get away with what she wants with him as the king. I mean, maybe. Um, eh. Like, for what it's worth, also, like, if that is the case, I don't actually think that's as manipulative as some of the things he implied earlier. Because, to be yeah. fair, like, I think it's perfectly feasible to believe that Kaladfe could have rationalized this as, well, Pavetta will be happy. She'll marry whoever she likes. Yes, that's true. <laughs> And I think it's good, obviously, that she stopped all the other marriage matches. I didn't want Pavetta married at 10. No, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I think he's implying that he, she was just intentionally trying to keep Pavetta from being married until she was sort of old enough for her to make a teenager mistake that teenagers make. Mm-hmm. And then that would solve her, her, oh no, her husband would be the legitimate king problem. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I know, I guess, That's yeah. what I got out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you're right, actually, yeah problematic queen but uh yeah i mean obviously she didn't she didn't intend for it to be a fucking hedgehog monster yeah i think that was a miscalculation i sort of thought figured like she thought like oh she'll shag some low status knight or a fucking stable boy or something and that'll be my situation sorted yeah but uh yeah well (laughs) oops we did it were so simple (laughs) indeed I mean, actually, I will uh, note as well, um, here's an interesting thing. Remember that who she wanted Pavetta married off to was Krach and Kray. Um, yes. Who, who, let's put it this way, is also not exactly the smartest of guys. I, look, I like Krach, but like, but, but like, but like, especially like in those days when, when Kalanfi knew him, he was basically mm-hmm. a loud, rowdy lout. He's like, he's a himbo the... warrior. Like, yeah. That's yeah. the like, like, thing. I like him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, I, I'm not saying anything bad about Krach, but like, you know, like the sense of like, you know, like he's also not exactly the sort of king who would have had a lot of politicking around in his head either. Hmm. Uh, well, here's the thing, right? Like, here's what the book, like this passage says about East, and this would apply to Krach as well. Yeah. Uh, the Earl of the Skellige Islands was to them a much better party than some vagabond hedgehog in this way Calanthe could still rule over the country for east like all islanders had too much respect for the lioness of Sintra to oppose her in anything and kingship simply bored him anyway she would have gotten the same thing out of crack marrying pavetta that she got out of marrying east yeah that's what i'm trying to say yeah yeah um which is that islanders are subservient to the uh, to the uh, to the uh, lioness and they don't care about ruling uh <laughs> problematic <laughs> She yeah. <laughs> everyone is basically patronizing the Skelligers in a racist way and I don't like it <laughs> look they're just wife guys it's okay <laughs> the, the, it is not okay to imply that they are all wife guys <laughs> no that is still racist <laughs> like Erin like, uh... you yourself just used the word subservient <laughs> <laughs> okay i think in honestly not okay so joking aside i think what they are trying to imply is that like just like the islanders sit a little bit outside of like cintrin like patriarchal culture and just have respect for calanthe as a person um and aren't trying to like supplant her with a random man to be fair i think that's just east i think in crack's case like 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 well he (laughs) well he also like displays respect for calanthe in that one flashback city has like i think that's just Mm -hmm. because like 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 i i i i I think like like in what is true for all of them is more just that they they would just be bored of the actual job of feudal kinging because they're you know much Mm -hmm. more about the raiding cases yeah like 
But, you know, whatever. In any case, like, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, I don't like that that English translation, tr- like, changed Jarl into Earl. Yeah, you oh, shouldn't change. Yeah. shouldn't translate the word Jarl. Everyone knows what the word Jarl means. And Indeed. if they don't, just read more. <laughs> <laughs> read theory. <laughs> read Tufter theory. By, by, which, by which I mean Skyrim. <laughs> Or Shetland, which is God, basically Solstein. <laughs> uh, yes. I still haven't played Skyrim. Why? Well, you're not um, missing a massive amount. <laughs> but um, yeah, so um, yeah, so that that sort of like as far as as um, they were concerned, they were going to spread all of these all of these rumors about their theory of how Siri came to be. Uh, they they know that uh, uh, Dooney was not a prince at all and so they're going to try to say that that Siri was not is not the legitimate heir because this should in theory deal with the issue that the um the northern kings want her killed so that um that Nilfgaard can't use her and Nilfgaard wants her so that she can be forced to marry whoever they want to put on the throne of Sintra um but they also think that this won't necessarily really work for long because she is nonetheless been set up as you know the lion cub of Sintra the the heir of the lioness and, and that still commands quite a lot of respect regardless of what Calanthe was or what um Ciri's heritage was so they come up with another option which is that there's a girl who looks a lot like Siri working in a shop and they're just gonna maybe circulate some rumors that she's actually Siri and have her killed instead yeah this is not yeah. great not, not, not great ethics called Ringer. so yeah they, they come up with this plan and the chapter ends just with um, Geralt being a badass, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah Geralt, uh, Geralt basically gives him a speech about, like, like should I lose myself um, to save Ciri? You know, like, 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 um, and tells, to, to tell, tells him, like, look, no, um, like, there's no need for this. Like, like, just, 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 like, 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 they, they discuss a little bit how, like, um, Yennefer and their four city is being followed by three professional assassins. So he says, just give me their details. I'm just gonna find them. Like, in the meantime, yeah. uh, like, uh, the, you know, he makes a bet with Codringer <laughs> that yes. if, <laughs> if, if, if Codringer can, like, um, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna stand facing away from Codringer, and Codringer is going to throw, like, basically a shuriken for all intents and purposes. Yeah, it's a throwing star. Like, yeah. At him, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like. Yes. And and um, um, if Geralt manages to dodge or block it, um, mm-hmm. like Codringer will for free research the legends of the Elder Blood and find out how that pertains to Ciri. Um, and of course, Geralt like doesn't even twitch because he can hear Codringer throw. <laughs> Just, you know, completely off target. Yeah, he, he bat senses yes. it. <laughs> and what I love about this, right, is um, this is just after this. This is like the thing that the series does so well is it loves to get into sort of like the sort of morality of, of, of the characters. And we've just had this 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 situation where Codringer's proposing this really cold-blooded thing of like, let's just get this innocent girl killed to save Siri. What does it matter to you? You save someone you love at the expense of someone you, don't, you will never even have to see. And then, you know, Geralt says everything to him about having to like, you know, like, should, should I exchange her safety for contempt for myself? And Codringer's trying to say things like, oh, you know, there's a 
it's a time of contempt. He said the line. And, he said uh, the line. The, <laughs> and that, um, and that you know, you, you, you basically you have to do what you have to do. Um, and then this is when um, they, they make the bet. Because, of course, the thing that they've been haggling about earlier, about how Geralt's going to give him 10% or whatever, and needs to, or needs to pay him another 250 crowns, is that Geralt needs Codringer to look into what this child of the elder blood prophecy means and Codringer saying it's gonna be very difficult because no one elves don't want to talk to anyone anymore and it's very dangerous to talk to them um but um but this bet is essentially that if if if, if Geralt wins Codringer will do this work for free uh not for free but on credit and if Geralt loses Yennefer will pay him but he will still do the work um which again good job Geralt yeah, that's some negotiation yeah <laughs> But um, Codringer, you know, has just proposed this quite brutal thing. And when um, he's trying to say that this is a time for people to be brutal and not have scruples. Um, and uh, Geralt, when Codringer says to him, like, are you sure that you want to do this? You know, um, uh, you're quite a daredevil. Do you forget? I have no conscience. But then what Geralt says to Codringer isn't, what, you know, when Codringer misses and, and yells at Geralt, you didn't even flinch. Um, Geralt says to him, not that he could hear he was going to miss. He heard, he said, why should I have flinched? I could hear you aimed so as not to hit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Codringer is building himself up as being like this like guy with no scruples, no morals, who'll do what needs to be done, who doesn't, he doesn't care and what happens. He clearly he is invested it. now, yeah. He's invested now. He doesn't want to hurt Geralt. He wants to do the work for him even without, even without knowing if he's going to get paid like there's this always something in this world where like people think of the witcher as being such a grim series but like no it's full of like people doing little little charity yeah exactly like people who are even supposed to be people with no conscience have like this little bit of like ah okay (laughs) you know mind you erin you will eat all of those words in a later episode Like all of them. Will I? Yes. Because... I see. I don't remember very much because I read these so quick yeah, the first there, time. There, there's, there's a completely non-altruistic reason why a quick drinker is interested. Ah. Uh, you will God eat damn all it. of those words. No. <laughs> <laughs> but not, but not yet. It'll, not yet. No, not no. yet. For now, for now, which The Witcher is about nice people still doing nice things in a very cruel world. For now. <laughs> For now, <sighs> and then we're back to Applegat. Yeah, but I think I think it's worth again noting there's foreshadowing here with the Orion yet again. Sapex planting yes. a seed for something just so far in advance of it that you don't even know. It's just ah, Sapex. <laughs> yeah, Sapex. Uh, but yeah, th- this is it's after this we finally get to the timeline um, in the right order now of the King's Messenger pulling up into the tavern yeah yes and we get sort of one of those lovely descriptions that sapak always gives us of just sort of like the life of the place you know there's a, a woman in the tavern nursing a baby there's you know the it's very vivid. the tavern yeah. keeper keeping keeping the, the innkeeper keeping the the, the place applecat gives us a little bit more world building about how uh innkeepers are often suspicious of messengers because they will show up and demand a horse which they're entitled to um you know um the post must Gosh, this go line, on, Erin. The... the post must go on. <laughs> oh, but this bit about how like they can demand a horse from anyone and like, you know, messengers being viewed with fear and suspicion. Will he? Won't he? Will he take our precious to her doom? Our little sparrow barely weaned. Our beloved little crow. You know, that sort of thing. Like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sorry, yeah. but you know, like the, 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 the post must go on. Like it must cross. <laughs> like, 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 um, like the whole of the North and I'm sorry, but if, but if some peasants end up 
like be having a horse trained it trade traded in that turns out to be substandard they should just consider moving to to a different kingdom <laughs> not moved at all by the children crying for their favorite pony being led away no i actually no. read that bit as satirical pardon I, I actually read that bit as satirical i i felt like applegats in their monologue was mocking <laughs> <laughs> i mean his might have been <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so Applegat settles down for, for a little, a little rest, um, and to have dinner and, uh, notices, Geralt notices him sitting there yeah, and tells him he better leave. <laughs> he basically says, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. Like, yeah, <laughs> like some sort of fucking mafia boss. <laughs> like basically says like shit's about to go down you might want to leave and Applegat being a stubborn person it's just like I'm fucking tired dude no. yeah also also like <laughs> Applegat is kind of a badass himself like like he's yeah he cannot be bothered with Geralt's like vague insinuations yes <laughs> like he's uh... like like it says that like um, for this sort of conversa- conversation, Applegat had also uh, had a pre-prepared answer um, about who the, you know, like, like King's um, emissaries serve and yeah, what might happen me. to somebody <laughs> who, 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 who uh, hurts those emissaries. Yes. Um... <laughs> Yeah, and so so Geralt tells him, "Fine, whatever, rest, but don't go outside." Uh, yeah, um, and then um, three men enter. Yeah. Um, who happen to match yeah. a very specific um, description of the prof and Yaksa, and what's the other person's name again? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, I forget their names. I just remember the professor. Yeah. Um, Ralph. London is the professor. Heimo Cantor is Heimo Cantor. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fairly. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're short-lived and characters. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. They, they don't live for very long. Yeah. Short-lived in a couple of ways. Um, so, um, yeah, so they, um, they, they, they walk in, they walk into the bar and uh, um, everyone's immediately terrified. Everyone just sort of gets this immediate sort of like threat These response. people vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're asking about Yennefer and Siri, and Applegat decides to be to be brave in a quite <laughs> stupid way, um, because not he, he kind of like volunteers information very quickly, like false information. Like like the 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 the, the three men are asking the innkeeper if anyone came through, and Applegat jumps on and was like, no, 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 no one like that's been through there. <laughs> um, definitely which not. Is very much in there. is my not. favorite minor character, I think, really. So he he is great. He is. He is, we get so much interiority from him and he is so brave and yeah he deserves better and has so much like personality <laughs> yeah he, he really better. deserved better yeah <laughs> yeah okay. um to, to basically yeah but, uh, Geralt's outside the pub and he yells indoor into the pub you know either one of you can come out and tell me who sent you or you can all come out and I'll kill you basically which is a yeah. very silly moment from Geralt as well because like 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 you know who sent them though <laughs> Geralt, we've been over this. You had just had <laughs> a conversation about it. Yes, you know it's Rience, and do you really think they know who sent Rience? Like, yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> just, just himboing through. <laughs> but um, 
but yeah, uh, he he basically tells them to to come get it, and they do. Um, yeah, it's a short fight, um, as get- they often are with um, with Geralt of Rivia. Yes, and we kind of only get like an audio description of it because we're getting Applegat sort of understanding what happened. He stayed inside, um, and so he just sort of hears like the crashing of blades and then terrible screaming, and um, and one man makes it kind of into the into the bar and Applegat being quite brave has sort of drawn his sword and is holding it under the table but uh the the man who makes it into the bar sort of falls down dead um uh, yeah yeah and, uh... yeah that's kind of it and Geralt kind of just says like well these were bad people there's probably a reward for them so uh the bailiff can do whatever he wants for it I'm out <laughs> peace out bitches and uh, tell them <laughs> tell them tell them the wolf if anyone asks what happened tell them the wolf bit them that's such a badass line <laughs> yeah just the yeah the white uh, wolf ate them it's just like yeah fair enough lean into yeah. it butcher um <laughs> uh, so, so yeah we're yeah. sort of coming to the end of the chapter now like um like the next bit we get we're basically back with with applegat and he's meeting deegstra um and he's yeah. sort of saying look i'm tired can i can i just have a lie down and a wee sleep you know i've been on my horse for five days can i have a lie down please like no you're you know you leave at sun up um because you know, deegstra has a very important message to pass on to him like, yes uh, which is like to deba went which is which is basically yeah. that uh that Aaron, read it out go on uh, from Vizimir to Demavend, contain absolutely the masqueraders. There's been a betrayal. The flame has gathered an army in Dalangra and is waiting for any excuse. So, not great. Yeah. Basically, this is the message that you must make sure that this this little planned charade to, to provoke an attack does not happen because Nilfgaard knows they are ready and they will do something terrible. Yeah. 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 So, so, so yeah. So, 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 so Applegat's like, I'm, I'm tired. I've been on the road five days. I really need to rest. And Dexter's like, nope, we're giving you the best horse and you are leaving as soon as the sun's like, up. Am I, am I resting? Is the king resting? Is anyone else resting? Like, deal with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, here's some extra money. Like we're not cheap, but like deal with it. Go. <laughs> yeah. And well, at least he um, at least he gave him extra money. Like it's always good to pay our workers overtime. <laughs> yes, indeed. So he does get he does get a bonus. Um, and uh, and he gets a warning to be careful at the woods near the Pontar because uh, there's a, a lot of scoyatile there. Um, and uh, oh, Applegat, while well, he's a. Uh, uh, sort of talking to Dykstra, then sort of relays everything that he saw Geralt do, basically, uh, which then twigs Dykstra that this message about the lion cub being dead probably not the case because Dykstra is not a stupid man. Yeah, he, he, if Geralt's hunting for someone and chasing assassins, then something's up here. Yeah, and then yeah, we get this just just such a sapek ending to the cat <laughs> to the chapter. You know, he builds this yeah. wonderful character who you, your heart's with. You think this is a nice, decent man just doing his job. And then we get to the perspective of two Scoia'tael scouts who, you know... Three. 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 Yevon, Teruvial. There's Kerber, Teruvial, and uh, Yevon. Of course, yeah, Kerber. I forgot about Kerber. Um, They're literally mentioned in the first sentence. So Teruvial's back. Haven't seen her since, uh, like, what, the, like... The short the end story. of the world, or the, yeah. edge of, uh, the edge of the world short story. Yeah, yeah. So haven't seen her since the um, yeah the short story where we met Phil Evandrel and uh, where Dandelion and Geralt reminisce about the first time they hung out. So yeah, um, so yeah, Terubiel's back. Famously, the last time we saw her, she was um, what smashing um, Dandelion's loot and giving him a kicking. Yeah. Oh yes. Much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's not not in good terms with with Puri Puri Yaskier. <laughs> 
Yes. Um, so yeah, there's 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 three Scoia'tael kind of on a scouting mission, and they see uh, Applegat riding past, um, and they're discussing whether or not they should kill him. And Truvial saying like, "No, we're on a scouting mission. Are you like, are you crazy? There's going to be a body, and then they're going to know we were here." Like, um, are we killing civilians now? Which yeah, and are we killing civilians is now? A, is a real are we the bad guys now moment? Um, yes. Yeah. Truvial <laughs> having an are we the baddies moment? Uh, yeah. And- <laughs> to what I can only say, well, Truvial. <laughs> You're about to find out. <laughs> uh... And uh, Gavin basically tells her to shut up and that he can. It's almost a challenge now because Kerber is like, "Ugh, it's he's too far away. Leave him. Like it's a hundred. He's two hundred paces away. You'll never be able to hit him." Which Gavin now takes as a challenge. And uh, and like, like there's something about the coldness here because we've just spent like the whole chapter like getting to know and really like Applegat. And then to Gavin, this is just like target practice. This is just like you said I couldn't do it, so I'm gonna like. Yeah. And yeah. So we hucks hucks one of their brutal war crime arrows at him, and it pierces him in the back and he dies on the warm sand in the beating sun from an arrow to war crime arrows yeah <laughs> well, the they, are. they are <laughs> they're like the, the, the ones that have like this like spiral blades that just like shred flesh when they go in no, it's, it's a war true. crime arrow it's a war crime arrow that's true <laughs> <laughs> war crime arrows I, I'm just amused at the name that's all <laughs> and, it's uh, true yeah. though they are so they, they commit a war crime by sh- literally shooting the messenger and he, he dies on the ground and that's how the chapter ends. That's the tale of Athelgat. Yeah, yeah. And the on message, the ground, of the course, sand was warm, never burn- gets delivered. Yeah. So yes, on the ground, the sand was warm, burning even in the beating sun, but the messenger never felt it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Poor Applegat. Yeah. Deserved better. Deserved better. But yeah, just this one moment of uh, Gavin deciding that this man was target practice. Message never gets delivered. Attack never gets called off. And we will discover what that means a few chapters later. In the next chapter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yes, later chapters. Oh my god. Man, I love this chapter. Applegat's just... So just much such happens. such a great character. There's so much... Um, there's so much, like, world building about, like, the history of, like, Sintra as a kingdom and the relationship between Sintra and Skellige and, um and Calanthe is a character whether it's true or not because everything we always get is always sort of contested and 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 subjective um there's so much of of setting up of of the conflict it's just oh this this, just a is there a better first chapter in a book like struggling struggling to come up with a better alternative (laughs) yeah it just it kicks you straight off in at you know the whole world and story is cohesively introduced and all the characters are sort of mentioned you know or alluded to or anything just it's yeah the guy can write and he has a good translator this time yes indeed Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. So let's wrap it up there. I think that's yeah. yeah. I think that's I think that's it. Yeah. That's us. Um. I, <laughs> all right. So um, that's our show. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time when we discuss chapter two of Time of Contempt. Um, our music is Medieval Distraction by Lucas Perny and Milislav Kolar, which you can find at freemusicarchive.org, and you can find us on Twitter and Tumblr as at the Witchercast, or email us at castapodtoyourwitcher at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.